I got a fever. And the only prescription is for over the line. This. I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a problem. Is the cigar authority. Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? The authority. Is that a serious question? On everything cigar. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. And out of the cigar industry. Sounds pretty awesome. With your host. You have to use so many cuss words. David Garofalo. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. Mr. Jonathan. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Barry Stunt. The scotch on the rocks. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, any single malt. Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps. Maybe a Glengow. Any Glen. And Chuck Morrison. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again. Heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? It's time to light them up. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool. It's time. That sounds really fun. For the Cigar Authority. I gotta have more cowbell. Light them up, light them up, light them up, everybody. Saturday, June 3rd, 2017, broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studio. Today with us, the owner-founder of Dunbarton Tobacco & Trust, the brand owner of Soba Mesa Mi Korea, along with other cigars that we'll talk about. Steve Saka joins us live in studio. Welcome, everybody, to The Cigar Authority. And, of course, you're listening to The Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S. and, yes, the world that doesn't just allow smoking. We insist... We demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at thecigarauthority.com where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, or podbean.com where you can set it and forget it. And today we are going to smoke a cigar from this month's care package, Barry Stein. What do we have? Well, we have Sober Macer, and Sober Macer is over the table, and it has no precise English translation. Perhaps because there is no cultural equivalent here in the U.S. It is an idiom used amongst the Latin culture to describe the leisurely time spent tableside after you have finished dining, but before you rise. It is the experience of lingering casually with family and friends in conversation, relaxing, drinking, smoking, and enjoying each other's company. Sober, Sober Mesa features a Lameca Habano wrapper from Ecuador over a Maracapa Negro de Temporal binder. Say that five times. Uh, can't even say it once. Yeah. <laughs> With five different fillers creating an experience that you can't pass up. They range in price from 10 to 13.50, and it is the first cigar from the Cigar Authority Care Package. So what size? This is, I think it's a Cervantes Fino. Yes, it is. Six and a quarter by 46. Okay. All right, and this has a little foot band that says Sobo Mesa, but the band, if you know the cigar, uh, has a crown that's on it. Um, once you take the foot band off, you'll, you'll notice the gold crown. and, and um, Imperial almost, margarine. Yes, Imperial <laughs> margarine. And just you know, like he's sitting right there. You can yeah. hear everything that you're saying. There we go. I'm just making sure. And then the, the, the brown that's in it's actually like the color of the wrapper itself, so it looks like it's actually a cutout. Right. And it's not. It's a nice-looking very nice. Cigar. Very nice. Doc Cigar, would you say this is a Maduro? Would somebody look at this and say we have a Maduro cigar? There is sweetness that comes off the wrapper. I think on eyesight, it's dark enough where you might confuse yeah. it with a Maduro. Yeah. But I ask, that's one thing I'm going to write yeah, we down. We've got, we got a lot I'm of questions Steve for Steve Sack when he comes on uh, right after the first break. We'll bring him on. This is part of the Cigar Authority Care Package, so we've got a whole bunch of you smoking along with us. So let's give it a cut, light taste, and see if uh, we're all... Lined up together, and we're tasting the same things. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other cigar brands were raising prices, Perdomo 
cut out the federal S-chip tax, and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. So, we have uh, finally seen some summer or spring here in New England. Yeah. And uh, what I would expect is a, a, a big studio audience, but it's, uh, as Steve says, it's not that giant today. What happened? I think it's finally. It's a decent-sized studio audience. It's a decent-sized. But, but and there's nothing wrong Steve, with the guys that are here. These are the, the hardcore players. They are. They're not going to do the, uh, the yard work today, as, as we are not either. So, But a uh, funny thing, we had uh, Barron's over here doing some, uh, some work in the store this morning, cleaning up a little bit. <laughs> we had to teach him how to turn on the vacuum cleaner, <laughs> even though right next to the on button is a giant black lettering over white that says power. So see, see the problem was you know you it's touch like a little a, button yes. on a vacuum that thing. says on and off that no, turns it on like no every idea. vacuum has the button practically in the same spot yeah every vacuum so that it's means, clearly not but the problem is you ever. have to turn around with your foot and my belly sticks out further uh, than I actually I couldn't see, see it. ah so, I, so you yeah. have dinkies do dinky <laughs> do disease I'm challenged here should we have issue that he can't operate a, a vacuum or should we be jealous <laughs> right. <laughs> Jealous. Clearly, but, someone but in his it, life does it, it for it him. It says that he doesn't do it. Right? That's right. It says it loud and clear. So, you guys probably have never had this hot sauce, but I bet Steve has. Chelsea Fire out of Chelsea, Massachusetts, makes a hot sauce out of uh, ghost peppers. Okay. And oh. the cold drawer on this is Chelsea Fire all day long. It has a very distinctive, slightly sweet, but quite spicy taste to it. And that's what I'm getting on the cold dry. See, I never had that. And for me, I'm getting barbecue potato chips. We don't double up on the sound effects, Chuck. I I go first. We just doubled up. And I get the sound bite, and that's it. But the ghost pepper thing would be very, very hot. It's not very, very hot. No, no, but it's the flavor. It's without without that hot. There's a little hint of spice, but it's the flavor of it. Well, I don't know that, but I understand what you're saying with the barbecue potato chips. Type of the, the barbecue spice. See that? I just trumped you. I don't know. I because don't know. Dave agreed with you? <laughs> I think he's got it. Well played, Chuck. Thank you. Well played. I think he's got it. So let's light her up. All right. We are, uh, we are having as a guest on the road go. warrior of road warriors, Steve Saka. So I decided to go with the Vertigo Warrior. This is a triple jet. Single action lighter with a push-out bullet punch at the bottom, completely separate from the fill tube. You got an easy adjustment wheel at the bottom. A massive, this is the patented Vertigo big-ass tank if I've ever seen it. It is. Massive tank, and it retails for fourteen ninety-nine. This is the Vertigo Warrior. And he has been traveling a lot. He's unbelievable in that's that way. Pro- they have the best names for lighters. They I've, do. They really do. The Warrior. Yeah, it's, it's cool to intimidate her. Yeah. Glock. Glock. Yeah. Cyclone. Big ass tank. Oh, that's Jonathan's He made uh, that up. That's not true because when I was there interviewing the guy, he said it. So, patented Vertigo big ass tank is a thing. You made him. <laughs> you gave him you a dollar. Trade you bribed him. Yeah. So, we are doing the IPCPR trade show. We're going to get lots and lots of stuff. Barry's going to stay behind. We're going to keep throwing to him. And putting the information up as fast as we can, and then we're going to put it all together in a show for that Saturday while, while it's going on. So uh, it'd be interesting for us. We don't have enough to do is what it is. <laughs> right. So we're going to actually pull this all off. 
You, were, you, you, you did say that to me when you pitched the idea. You said, you know what, we have about uh, eight minutes a day of downtime. Right. So we're going to fill that with 20 minutes a day of work. Yeah. All right, let's do it. So let's do it. <laughs> was the thing. Um, Cigar Journal. The Cigar Journal nominees, um, they're, they're collecting right mm-hmm. now for the nominees for uh, their Cigar Trophy Awards. And I want to let everybody know that because you can take place in it and it costs you nothing to do it. You go on to CigarJournal.com and you'll see where it's there. And it's going to go to each country and you pick a brand your favorite brand you put in. Or select none if you don't have one, but you have to select something in order to go to the next step. Yeah, so you're going to have to say none, or you're going to have to say what it is. And maybe you're smoking a Soba Mesa, which is a Nicaraguan cigar, because it's made in Nicaragua. So keep that in mind that it's the, uh, where the factory is. Right, Davidoff Nicaraguan won one year, and it's made in the Dominican, but yeah. it's Nicaraguan components, but it still won the Dominican Cigar of the Year. Yeah, hmm. so keep that in mind that that's the way to go. And, um, you know... Give a, a, a shot to some of your favorite cigars and, and get them counted. Now they're going to pick the top ones of each, and then they're going to, uh, at that point, um, go through another whole process of voting. Uh, but you won't be able to vote for your favorite unless your favorite made it in there. Right. The only way your favorite's going to make it in there is you're going to go on to CigarJournal.com and actually put them in there. Mm-hmm. It also has it for your favorite cigar lounge you can put in there, yep. uh, accessories. There's a whole bunch of other things. What's not in there is the Cigar Journal Award for the um, Ambassadors. Ambassadors of Cigars Awards, which is what they do themselves, which is uh, somebody's going to take us out. Well, yes. can we repeat? Is there, is there a possibility to repeat? It's never been a repeat. I don't know if it's possible, well, but um, there's not a place for us to tell people to go on to do that. And they don't like when you do that. If if yeah. if we were to yeah, if, you can't go on you twice. By the way, yeah. can't go on twice. And if I were to say to you, these are the cigars that I voted for. Those cigars would then be disqualified by my email address. Well, they'd be able to find my email address. They could, uh, and th- th- they just don't want it, that to happen. So keep the voting to yourself, much mm-hmm. like you should do when you vote for the president. Yeah, play it fair and just put yourself in and do it. And <laughs> play, play fair. What? Don't put yourself in. Steve Saka shouldn't vote for his own cigar. Well, we're going to ask him that when he comes up because that's one of the questions I have. Uh, right. Do you not think to voting for yourself? Why not? Do you think Trump voted for Hillary? Right. That's different. <laughs> the Cigar Journal is asking people not to put their own stuff through, to either select select none or put someone else's cigar in, and that's I think that's the debonair play. But I would say you vote for yourself. We didn't get to vote for ourselves because we weren't able to do it. But if you had the thing to vote. Who would you vote for? No, I wouldn't do it. Just don't do it? I would put someone else in. I'd do the right thing. You'd, you'd vote for somebody else? Yeah. Even if you thought you would, you, that this show was the best one? If I had, yeah, I would follow the rules. And if they say don't vote for yourself, I wouldn't vote for myself. Would you vote for none or would you vote for someone else? I'd probably vote for someone else. Really? That's saying uh, that you don't have belief in us being the best. That's not true. It's me following the rules. They asked you not to vote for yourself, so I would follow the rules. I don't like to break the rules. See, I would vote for none because there is none better. That is the gentleman's way. It's brought to you yeah. by <laughs> Debonair Cigars. What's the, an- what's the answer? <laughs> the answer is Jonathan's correct here. You've got to follow the rules. They say do not put yourself in. You do not put yourself in. No, do you uh, vote for your competitor? Uh, you do what you feel is right. In this case, I would put blank. I would not put All right. I, so, so the answer is go blank. Uh, yeah, if right. you believe you are, the, you are the best. That's right. That's right. All that right. is the right answer. I think you've swayed me. I would put none in then. Yeah. But you can't vote. But it's too late. You've already voted. 
No, you can't do it. There's no, no voting for it. So <laughs> if you could. It doesn't matter. If you could. Anyway, CigarJournal.com. Go on there. Do it. And uh, there's nothing for you to vote for us or anything like that. But if you're smoking the Sober Mesa, you're seeing how well it's burning, you love the cigar, you throw a bone to Steve. That's Absolutely. Right. right? That's right. Okay. So uh, what do you get in the mailbag, Mr. J? All right. David writes in, uh, hello, Mr. Jonathan, which, by the way, people spell my name wrong all the time. What? There's only one H, and there's an A-N at the end. I just It's a pet peeve of mine. It's on Facebook. It's all over the place. And you why are Google they write, me. you're writing to the Cigar Authority? Because why I'm the one who gets the thing. So all right. it's Mr. Jonathan and, and the Authority team. Okay. Because I'm the star. You left See, that out. Everybody, everybody should address it to Johnny. I will stab you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on one of the latest shows, Cigar 101-2, I'm wondering if you could post or send me the links to just the slides. I listen to the show on my phone and haven't had a chance to watch it yet. My question is regarding the study that David mentioned that not only showed occasional cigar smoking is not only not harmful, but actually has slight health benefits. Since anti-smoking laws and taxes that have been implemented on all tobacco products, like hammering a finishing nail in with a sledgehammer on a humidor, uh, based on the assumption that cigars and cigarettes are the same. Since this and all studies currently support this is not the case, is there any plan to use this knowledge to separate out premium cigars from current tobacco laws and seek to reverse any government interference? Regulations currently on the books. Perhaps the CRA could take the momentum of the FDA fight to the next level to sue the FDA to prove that cigars are actually are not as dangerous as they state they are. Well, David, there has the Canadian been. Yeah, in Korea. There has been. From where? David, the Canadian in Korea. In Korea. We have a lot of world travelers world that write travels. in. Uh, it has been done, uh, and there's one state that actually heard this information, saw this information, and separated premium cigars from all other tobacco products. And that state is the state of New Hampshire. And I would love that to continue, but it's a state-by-state effort mm. to make that end up happening. And unfortunately, no other state followed. Now, I, I get a lot of copycats that copy a lot of the things that we do, but this is one thing I wish they would copy, and they don't. It's a lot of work. And you have to go there, and you've got to make the case, and you've got to prove it to them, and then they vote and decide if they're going to separate premium cigars from other tobacco products, but prove to them that a cigar is not a cigarette and how different it is. And they believed it, and they voted, and we separated premium cigars. Uh, While I was on the IPCPR board, uh, I tried to do it in a national way, and I went to um, Washington, D.C., and tried it. Very, very tough to do it for our U.S. government. So why was it successful in New Hampshire? When you say we, were you locking arms with the manufacturers, with other retailers? With other retailers. With other retailers. So we go as retailers and uh, make the case and show and tell, and we bring them cigarettes, and we bring them things that look like cigarettes that call themselves cigars, and then we bring premium cigars, and we take them apart, and we say, here's the thing, and then we show them some um, proof, which is, um, you know, while you're doing this, by the way, you're you're fighting with uh, the World Health Organization, you're fighting with the uh, American Cancer Cancer Society, yeah, all these different people, and there there was one thing called monograph number nine, which is uh, what we talked about during that show, that while the American Cancer Institute was complaining and says, no, it's all bad for you, you pull out their document, mm-hmm. which says it's not. Right. And you say, okay, here's their document. I have copies for everybody, and it's hundreds of pages. Here's copies for everybody to look through, but you go to, go to the conclusion, and you see uh, what it is, and here it is, and they shut up. And, you know, science messed them up on that one. Yeah. 
So these things get pushed underneath uh, the rug. You're going to have no media that's ever going to cover it. It's, it's uh, you know. I feel like you have a playbook, and I don't want to create work for you. Yeah. But, like, if this was if this packet, if you will, like, here's the strategy. Here's how to go into your state and fight to make. The problem is that unlike many other retailers, David is the guy that's going to do all the legwork yeah. to get himself prepared. Now, we are fortunate in the state of New Hampshire that we've got a lot of great retailers that are also willing to fight the fight because yeah. we have the CANH, we have the golf tournament, we have our own lobbyist. Yeah, because you can't fight by yourself, you'll lose. Yeah. Right. I tried that in Massachusetts, right? I tried to stop it. I went by myself, and I lost badly, yeah. and I had to shut it down and move out of there because I did, other retailers wouldn't go there. Knock on wood, this state, the other retailers get together, and we, we all go as one yeah. as an association. We have a lobbyist. We pay money into it. We have fundraisers. We get together on a monthly basis, and because of that, we're able to do it. You've got giant states like California. You see that 64% or something they went up to? Yep. And I, think July 1st. I think it's possible it could go up again. When you show, there's when no you sh- organization. When you no, show not, up, they, with, they have nothing. Wow. When you show up with ten businesses, that threatens your business. And there's so many of them. We're in a, we're in a little state here of New Hampshire. Yeah. And at least we got it's worth a, the fight. A handful to get. Of course. I mean, it's what you, our business? Yeah. You know, don't you go down fighting? If you end you up losing, to. you go down fighting. You have to. And and I say just don't play defense. Right. Play offense too. We have a, a bill uh, right now that we're asking for um, the change up to allow smoking in restaurants. If the restaurateur would allow it. As it should That be. doesn't mean that it's they their will. Decision. It's their they decision. And they don't have to. Yep. But it's their business. And if they want to allow it, then they can do it. Yeah. Long shot. Kind of like what would happen in a free country type of thing. Correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let the guy that owns the business dictate what's going to happen. Give that man a cigar. Really. And if he sees that he starts allowing smoking and all of a sudden nobody's coming in his restaurant anymore... He's going to go no smoking. That's right. Right? Right. So you're going to let the uh, business dictate what ends up happening. And, you know, I know of some uh, restaurant owners that their business failed, and that might have been their salvation Mm. if they ended up being a smoking restaurant. If there was a place I could go to dinner and have a cigar while I'm I'm eating dinner, I I would eat out every night. Sure. I personally would eat out every night. I don't like cooking. And you know we have bad weather around here most yeah. of the year now. It seems it used to be that half the year, but it seems like almost all the year now right. it's getting worse. <laughs> um, that you know you stay for the dessert and coffee maybe if you lit up a cigar and an after dinner oh, drink and absolutely. it would go into which means the waitress would get a bigger tip because the, the bill went higher. That's it's, right. it's a win win. Mm-hmm. And. You know, maybe you got to put a big orange sign in your window that says, we allow smoking in here. Warning. Yeah. And then people will go away. But somebody like me would actually go to that, you know, follow the light. I think there'd be a lot of people. So we'll see what ends up happening. So uh, that is that. That ding-ding means it is time for the matchup of the week brought to you by VS. VS means versus, but it stands for Victor Sinclair. Victor Sinclair Cigars. Who would win this hypothetical battle? And this is a game show hypothetical battle. It's between Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Great question. Not even a contest. That's a great question. Really, not a contest. What? Same here. Are there parameters? Are you adding anything to this, like last minute? Nope. It's Wheel of Fortune versus Jeopardy. This is not an easy decision. Well, see, for me, it's Jeopardy. It's more of an intellectual thinking game. And I'd rather Jeopardy over Wheel of Fortune, which to me is dumbing down a society. See, it's Hangman. Why is it dumbing down? Yeah. It's missing letters, and you've got to figure out what it is? Because you get hints as it goes along. This On Jeopardy, you have 
seconds to come up with the answer. Not to mention, I think we're, we're overlooking the elephant in the room here. Uh, for the long time. I don't know why you have to bring Barry up. Why do you have to bring Barry up every time we... No, just go <laughs> Alex Trebek's mustache, when he had it, was so epic. <laughs> it has to be Jeopardy. Even though he shaved it off, I feel like it's still there. I look at him, and I can still see the mustache. It was that good. Well, so what did we Jeopardy. learn here? Jonathan likes men with mustaches. And you have a mustache. I'm nervous. Jonathan. Both shows were made by the same person. Merv Griffin created both of these shows. They're both still on. Yeah. Um, we're talking, I got some uh, stats here, um, 7,000 episodes of Jeopardy, 33 seasons. And wow. on Wheel of Fortune, we have 6,000 episodes. Uh, it's been out since 75. Pat Sajak, Vanna White. You got, they, Jeopardy doesn't have a Vanna White. You don't There's need, no eye candy. You don't need Vanna White. You have Alex Trebek, and you have his mustache. And <laughs> I'm going I'm to put my vote for Wheel of Fortune, by the way. But another thing that Jeopardy has is the best game show theme music of all time. Yes, it does. Which one? Okay. Yeah, everybody knows. I mean, that's, when someone's taking too long to make a decision, you hum the theme song, you can speed them up. I mean, it's, it's epic. It's, it's, you, you're looking for a slot machine. You go to the Wheel of Fortune slot machine amen, in do. the casino, right? Amen. I see so Wheel true. of Fortune needs gimmicks. Slot machines, Vanna White, Jeopardy does not need that gimmick. You know I hate to agree with Barry Stein, but it's, it's Jeopardy. Wheel of Fortune, baby. Who do you think made more money? Uh, you know, you a, get to a, spin a, a wheel. prize winner. What, what, what can make the most prize money? There's Jeopardy. no question it's Jeopardy. No question it's Wheel of Fortune. Jeopardy, you can win 30 times and you can you know, walk away with half a million dollars. You had that one guy that, it's, that it's won Jeopardy. like 70. Is it by a lot? Yeah. Um, <laughs> somebody won Jeopardy 75 appearances. Wow. 75 appearances, $2.5 million in 2004. Wow. So does money. Be- but my, my problem with Jeopardy is I don't know the answers to most yeah. of it. <laughs> you got to be a wicked smart guy. Yeah. And, and it, it makes and you me can just dumber. guess letters, right? Like T L S. Yeah, L-S. yeah. yeah I'm with Dave. <laughs> and you got a better chance of keeping your prize in Jeopardy because it's cash. You take the taxes right off the cash. You win a car on Wheel of Fortune, you might not be able to afford the tax, therefore you've got to give up the price. Yeah, but if you were to be on one of the shows, which one are you going to be on? Jeopardy. Really? What? Yeah. Oh, how embarrassing would that be? They <laughs> <laughs> do, do pretty good watching on TV. <laughs> Don't bring up the Cigar Authority when you're on Jeopardy. <laughs> that, oh, I work for the Cigar Authority. That would be... What would you go on? I would go on, I would go on Jeopardy. I'd want to try oh, my Oh, you hands. both are liars. I would go on Wheel of Wheel Fortune. Of Fortune. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. I'm going to die in a plane crash tomorrow. What is the that? world's coming to an end. We're agreeing. I know, I know, I know. So the winner, the winner is Jeopardy. Jeopardy is the is the better show, but I I would disagree. But uh, there's more money to be. Hang made. on a second. But you Hang on be, a second. Yeah. This is the epic part right here. Is that you and Chuck both said Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Barry and I said Jeopardy, but you just gave us the win. Yeah, it's the money. The money put me the over. Money, yeah. Money. But see, we just got him to a failure. The world's coming to an end. They might have the record, but that doesn't mean that you earn the most money on Jeopardy. Shut up, Chuck. You lost. You could repeat on Wheel of Fortune. It hasn't happened yet. You could have someone repeat 75 times on Wheel of Fortune and potentially win more money than would be. It just never happened. It just hasn't happened yet. In a long time. I'm just saying. 6,000 episodes. You and I have not been on yet, so uh, that could happen. Wasn't Wheel of Fortune capped at five wins and that was it? I don't know. I at, one, at one time, I think it was. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, you make it stuff. Chuck, up. in about three years, you can vote for Hillary again and continue oh, being a loser. Yeah. yeah. All <laughs> right. What do you got in the mailbag? All Squeeze right. Squeeze one uh, in. Squeeze one in. Through the Contact Us page, Deacon Nick writes, 
I've been listening to the podcast every week since June of 2015. I'm a member of the Care Package since the fall of 15, and consider the show a regular part of my weekly schedule and a sense of support. I have also been in seminary for eight years and used the two hours a week spent smoking along with you as a means to keep my sanity. I graduate from seminary this May, which means he's just graduated. It's an old mailbag. Okay. Uh, I will be ordained a Catholic priest in June. Congratulations, Nick. That's nice. I wanted to write in and say thank you for the show, the entertainment, and even the good cigar education over the past two years. Barry, back off, Mr. Jonathan. Ah. The more you joke, the more you are hiding something. He is. Keep up the there's, good work. There's something deep here. Looking forward to many more stogies with y'all. Good smokes to you. Deacon Nick. He's a priest. I can't say anything. I'm just going to let it go. You're goddamn yeah. right you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so smoking the Silver Mesa from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Steve Sack is here with us. He'll be on the next album. So what's early thoughts before he comes on here and corrects us? For everything we've done we're wrong. wrong. Yes. <laughs> so we got a, we got a chance to, to get it out right now. I'm really curious as to why this would not be considered a Maduro because there is such a sweetness coming off from that wrapper. Mm onto my lips. It's very balanced. There's no one flavor that's standing out on its own. Brown sugar and cinnamon. I got a flavor. I have licorice. Black, you, you black have a, licorice. You have a severe case of wrong. Yeah. We just had, I guess Steve will tell I, us what we're really tasting. Yeah. Do you guys realize what just happened too, right? What? Barry said cinnamon. And he said it correctly? He said it correctly. Yeah. All right. I've been and, practicing. And really? Yes. Good. A lot of years in, you can say cinnamon. I'm beginning to believe this uh, plane crash conspiracy theory <laughs> over here. Really? Too much stuff is lining up. All right. Let's go to break. When we come back, uh, he's been on the show more than any other guest. And uh, that's because he lives down the street. Despite that, uh, he still gains a big listenership typically because he has a lot to say, and he has a lot to say when he comes on this time. We have a lightning round of questions for Steve Stocker when we return. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. There was a time when cigars were the hallmark of elegance and success. In this time gone by, the aficionado would revel in opening a beautiful box, only to find their favorite celebratory smoke emblazoned with a heritage-laden band. It's time to put the bundle down and travel back to this golden age. For your voyage, may we humbly suggest the only cigar worthy of being packaged in a handmade marble box. Berlin Wall Series from Hammer & Sickle. Live well. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the diamond crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman's Garco or visit diamondcrown.com. 
I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Christoph cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Christoph is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10-count boxes, four sizes including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the pissed-off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar, and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, the Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced. As a vertically integrated family-owned company, personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padron Cigars, they give you, the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padron Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. I want to tell you about my friend Hochi Blanco, a fourth-generation Dominican cigar maker known for growing tobacco and producing highly acclaimed cigars for other people. If some things stay the same, other things have to change. Finally, Hochi's factory, Tobacalera Palmer, has produced a cigar that not only belongs to the factory, but pays homage to the cigar rolling room known as La Galera. The La Galera Connecticut blend is special, using an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, surrounding a Dominican blend of Piloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and a varietal that Hochi named T112. With the exception of the wrapper, Hochi grows all of the La Galera tobaccos himself and carefully watches over every step. The flavor, smooth, but still offering plenty of flavor in all sizes, paying homage to the people and tools used in the factory. Now for the amazing pot. La Galera, Connecticut has a suggested retail price ranging from $4.95 to $6 and has been awarded the Cigar of the Year by the Cigar Authority. La Galera, Connecticut, creating their own version of the Connecticut cigar because they demand more. This is Jerry from Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And we are back live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studios. You're listening to the Cigar Authority. Now in our eighth year, joining us is someone who started out as a customer, then a friend, and now a friend in the cigar industry, the owner of Dunbarton Tobacco & Trust, makers of Soba Mesa that we're smoking now, among others. Welcome back to the Cigar Authority, Steve Saka. I've really bet on this more than anyone else. Is that true? You have. You wow. Have. 
That is unbelievable. You hold a record right now, and uh, you're in the. And I'm not even a sponsor. I'm like cheap. So I know. I get, I get like free coverage. That's it. This That's is fantastic. It. You're, you're, you're smarter than I'm working. I'm working the Dave plan. Everybody <laughs> says you're a smart man, and I say you are a smart man. We need to get him a jacket like they do on Saturday Night Live. You yeah. Get on five now, times. Oh, See, yeah. Barry is you full of great jacket. ideas. You want to put on Barry's jacket for right now? And I know that you hand-select that particular email. You've got gazillions of them, but you have to pick the one that bangs on Barry. Yes, that is correct. correct. So while while you're talking about being honorable on Cigar Journal's voting site, you are selectively choosing to be dishonorable on this particular topic. On Barry. Only on Barry. Steve's defending me. Jonathan's agreeing with me. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. We're We're upside down. Down. Dude, don't yeah. get on the plane. <laughs> don't, don't get on the plane. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So is this, we were talking before you were on, would this rapper be considered a Maduro? And if not, why not? Yes and no. Great. Perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, we're starting this interview off. Great. Well, Maduro means two different things. Maduro is a variety of rappers, and it's also a color selection. So basically, as a color... I would classify this as a Colorado Maduro for my personal life. There's 67 different shades of brown, and we basically break those down into about eight or nine basic subcategories of which this would be Colorado Maduro in color. However, it's a Habano seed wrapper, uh, even though it's grown in Ecuador, and it's not a Maduro tobacco variety. And what makes a Maduro tobacco variety has to do with how that particular air-cured tobacco has to be fermented and worked. So Connecticut Broadleaf, Arapiaca, Brazilian Matafina, Wisconsin Comstock, uh, these are Costa Rica Marron, uh, San Andreas Negro. These are true Maduro tobaccos because they require a different technique in the fermentation and in the curing process that makes them a unique style of tobacco. Oddly enough, true Maduro tobaccos don't always end up Maduro in color. In fact, uh, when you get San Andres Negro Claro, it's the exact same Maduro leaf structure, but it's a lighter shade, and I would classify most of those uh, San Andres Claro, Claros to be Claro to, uh, you know, maybe Claro, you know, Claro to, yeah, Claro, just Claro, about most of them. They don't get too much lighter than that. And uh, so, like, when you get Connecticut Broadleaf, which is definitely a Maduro wrapper, only the mediums and the number one darks tend to get dark in color into that, you know, Maduro, Colorado Maduro to Oscuro colors. But all the number one long seconds and number two long seconds, they're definitely in that Colorado kind of frame. And that's what I should have said with the San Andres Negro. San Andres Negro ranges from Claro, Colorado to Colorado, typically. Those were the San Andres Negro, Claro. I'm just going to go with yes. <laughs> all right. Do what you want. It's dark. It's a dark cigar, which, which scares a lot of people, and they look at dark cigars, and they're mistaken that they think it's going to be a strong cigar. It's going to have some sweetness that's happened here. By the way, I'm having uh, Innocet. So I'm licorice, but now it goes into Innocet, which is very right. close anyway. I think, that's a, I think that's very perceptive of you because there's a particular strain of tobacco that I buy from these three farmers who happen to all be named Juan. Um, and uh, they're, in Puebla, they're in Puebla Nueva, and I find that when I smoke that tobacco by itself in just a Purito, a Tabacchiato, it has a definite hint of anise to it, that one individual ingredient. You guys, nothing? Not yet. No, I don't have it. <clears throat> uh, I do have one mailbag, and I, I promised Pete that I would, uh, I would read it, uh, and it says, I wanted to try to get this to you in time to be able to ask Steve Saka on tomorrow's show, which you did, Pete. Thank you. 
Uh, if memory serves me right, the last time he was on the show, Steve said that the two new sizes in the Sober Mesa line are actually different than the others. I can't find any information on this anywhere. Can you ask Steve if the new sizes, Short Churchill and Elegante and Cedros, are in fact different blends? Any info would be great. Thanks, Pete. All right. Well, they all are based on the same core blend, but the proportions on them are significantly adjusted. Um, as compared to the other sizes, they're tweaked to work within the individual Vitolas. In this particular case, those two sizes, the ampli- I have amplified the strength level in both of them. So the Short Churchill and the Elegante and Cedros are significantly stronger than the other Sober Mesas in the line. And when I say significantly stronger, I mean in relation to Sober Mesa. I don't mean in relation to, you know, a Roma Craft Neanderthal or a Double Ajero from Lito Gomez. I would still put them six, six and a half-ish, but they definitely have a bit more pop and zip than the other Sober Mesas. Isn't that a risk, though, making two different sizes, two different strength profiles different than the regular line? Because you're not always going to have the most educated staff work in the cigar shop. Frequently, you have one guy work in the register, and he's dealing with three customers at the same time. So a guy could come up and grab the uh, Bellicoso, which you told me was probably the mildest, right? and grab a short Churchill, and then one hits his flavor profile, and the other one jumps him off the brand because it's too strong for him. Yeah, absolutely. But you also have to understand, I'm, I'm a small company. Um, most of my consumers are the better educated consumers to begin with. I don't have the average Joe off the street that's coming in and buying one of the mainstream mainline brands being the, my cigars to gravitate towards. So my consumers tend to be much better educated consumers than the typical cigar consumer. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's definitely a risk factor to have something that's different. But at the same time, it definitely has all the sober mesa flavors. It's got the cinnamon. It's got that kind of woody cedarness. It's got the hint of licorice that only two of us are getting. You know, it's got that kind of bit of a little bit of dry cocoa undertone. So it's still the same flavor profile. So I think that if you smoke a sober mesa El Americano and you say, wow, I like the taste, but I wish it had a bit more pop to it you can step up into the short church or elegante and you can get that little bit more zest to the to the smoke as long as we're talking about line extensions ralph from the chat room wanted me to ask you this question and it's uh what do you think the futures of cigars are going to be with the fda and will you be able to continue releasing new cigars moving forward um i honestly don't know the future i mean i don't think any of us do we're all kind of in a weird holding pattern I mean, we're not able to bring anything legally to the marketplace if it wasn't introduced prior to August 8th. Luckily, I was able to get a wide variety of products imported and sold prior to the deadline. So I still have things that are going to be perceived by a lot of consumers as being new, even though they were in the marketplace prior to the date. Um, Overall, long term, um, it's going to be a problem if the rules stay the way they're originally being proposed. But I think until we get to the point where these rules actually end up being executed, we don't really know the ramifications. I mean, like one of the things, you know, a year and a half ago we were all going bonkers on was the ingredient disclosures. Well, we've now seen the templates for the ingredient disclosures, and honestly, they're not all that bad. You know what I mean? They're really pretty simplistic, and they follow kind of the model that TPD2 in Europe is using. And if so, it's not getting into the individual seed varieties. It's not getting into the individual farms. It's not getting into the, you know, the individual crops. So if that's the way it goes, but again, we're looking at templates at this point. So we don't know that that's going to be the case. So until we actually see what occurs, it's very hard to know. Um, And one of the things that I've noticed is just a consumer, 
I'm noticing a lot of new stuff that's kind of being illegally introduced and illegally sold in small quantities, but it's also under the radar for most retailers and for the government. They just don't notice that that stuff, I think, is going to continue to percolate. I mean, honestly, we, I mean, we live in a country where, I mean, Cuban cigars have been illegal since the 60s, but yet we live in a country where you can be in a federal penitentiary cell and you get smacked delivered to your cell. So is there really going to be a mechanism for controlling something like this? I don't ultimately know. What I do know is that the larger companies and even the smaller companies who want to be legit and want to stay within the law, they're going to comply with the law just because they don't want to take the risk of losing their TTB license. So it's definitely going to have a, a curtailing effect if things continue on the path they are. But until we get to the point where the FDA actually starts implementing and executing, it's hard to tell. And really, the only thing that the FDA is really currently actively doing, other than making us jump through a lot of hoops, is they're doing the FDA inspections on the import shipments. But really, they're just category, they're just basically listing the products that are coming in the country. And the other thing that they're actively doing, of course, in the fashion of all government, they are collecting the user fees and the taxes. <laughs> they, they, that, that's the one thing they've managed to do on time yeah. was the collection of the money. Right. <laughs> they got that down to a science. Do you think that if uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the current FDA commissioner, waves his magic wand and makes the FDA go completely away, do you think cigar prices will drop, Absolutely stay the not. same? Or continue to no, rise? Look, cigar prices are always going to continue to rise because the cost of goods always continues to rise. I mean, you would basically need a global meltdown economy-wise for prices to ever reverse. And this is true on everything, whether it be milk or bread or eggs, because everything is interrelated. It's interrelated to energy costs. It's interrelated to transportation. It's interrelated to, you know, agriculture. Even cigars that went up a dollar because of user but here's fees the and thing. ends up being Let me ask eight you, cents? But here's the problem. What ends up happening is... There's no way once they started collecting extra money, they're going to give it back. Yeah. They're just not. And guess what? The retailers don't want it either because the retailers get the margin that extra money. So they like the fact that the prices went up. As much as they may carp and complain about it, the truth is the people at the end of the rainbow make the most profit on the prices going up. The problem is when the prices go to a point that it actually starts to curtail sales. When sales numbers start to decrease as a result of the price increases, then everybody will bemoan it. But all this whining and complaining, it's all them wringing their hands fake because they're all enjoying the extra money. The people that are getting hurt the worst are the people at the bottom end of the cycle that are always worried about the sales volume. Because for us, increasing the price is never about making more money. It very rarely is. It's always about trying to maintain an even profit margin for us. We're trying to maintain our current net margins, and we're always very reluctant to increase prices. For example, I took no FDA price increases last year, and it was very foolish on me. And everybody else did. Cigars went up by about a dollar across the board. And now I realize in hindsight that I was a moron, and I should have done a price increase last year to compensate for this. And it's not the user fee, because the user fees are currently only working out to about a nickel a cigar currently. The problem is it's the compliance cost of dealing with the compliance attorneys and the compliance engineers. It's an incredible amount of money that you're expending. Even a podunky guy like me, I'm approaching the six-figure number at this point. And it's, it's a real, real problem. So I have a price increase that's going to go in effect across the board in July. You know? right, and it's going to be to try to make up for you know, what I should have been doing. I'm not going to be able to get it all back. It's out the door. I'm never going to get that money back. But it's risky because you raise the price, and then I always think, wow, if the cigars now cost you know, $0.50, cents, $0.60 cents more at the retail register, 
how many less of X, Y, and Z am I going to ultimately sell as a result of that? And none of these things are profit centers for us. They're all just direct cost of goods. These user fees, these compliance attorneys, these compliance engineers, the amount of time and staffing you have to dedicate to it. I mean, even a small little Mickey Mouse company like my own, I, I put well over 120 to 140 man hours in preparing the warning label plan that I found out that I did wrong, that I still now have to put another 30 hours to fix what I did wrong in it before the uh, new extended deadline. You know, those, those hours have to come from somewhere. 150 hours of my personal time means I'm not doing something else, whether it be buying Mowing tobacco, making cigars, mm-hmm. you know, sleeping, whatever. I mean, it takes away from the business, and it takes away from what you're trying to do as a core company. It's, it's, it's a very, you know, for the larger companies, the impact is less. Granted, their costs are higher, but for them to hire four extra people that this is their job, you know, when they're selling $85 million, $100 million a year, is not the same as when you're a small little company like me and you're now just trying to squeeze another thing onto your to-do list. Okay. So uh, I follow you on social media. You have a big presence on there if you're not following Steve Saka. Is that a, is that a fat uh, joke in there? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. If, um, I if, left one if of you're not, you're missing a lot of things there. Um, the Redneck Road Trip, which is uh, showing where you're going to go, uh, which is interesting uh, as you do that. But the most interesting thing I see out there is – Saka's question of the week. And it's not a weekly question because you're not. I don't do it weekly. weekly. That's correct. But it is You can always tell when I'm doing the question of the week because that is when I'm actually in my office and I'm trying to avoid doing spreadsheets and tobacco production planning. So when I do a question of the week, it's almost always universally that I'm in New Hampshire and I'm at my desk and I'm looking for any excuse to do anything else. So I believe me, I look at every single one of them and I follow the chain of all the comments. I don't comment because I think to myself. I wish you would. Yeah, I think to myself, I'm going to get myself in trouble because I'm going to disagree with somebody. I wish, I wish more people in, because all the people in the industry read them. They always comment yeah. to me in private about it. And I really wish more retailers and more manufacturers would engage in it because I know they're reading them and they're interested in all the comments. Because the whole point of the question of the week is it's meant to create dialogue. It's meant to have an exchange. And it's stir not, the pot a little bit sometimes. Well, I like, you know, but those, <laughs> the thing is, I get some manufacturers that, that complain at me saying that, why do you bring that up? You're no, making things good. worse. And what I say to them is these are the same conversations that are happening at every retail store around yeah, the country. Absolutely. When you get four cigar guys in a circle, they're having these same conversations. So you sticking your head in the stand thinking that because I bring it public, means it isn't being talked yeah, about is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, it's the same conversations that are already happening behind the scenes. I had a brand owner reach out to me. He was pissed off about one of your questions, and I'm like, why are you reaching out to me? But you say it's impossible to make an excellent cigar that costs between 7 and $8. Yeah, listen, it's not impossible to make a cigar that's very good, that you enjoy, that mm-hmm. can be as good as a $25 cigar. What it's impossible is you cannot use all true tippy-top grade-A materials with the very best from point A to point B in the seven to eight dollar price range, it's physically impossible today to do that. There's no way around. It's the same thing as saying it's impossible to buy. You can't buy a tenderloin, a filet mignon, okay, for six dollars a pound. It's just not physically possible. It doesn't mean that a great hamburger or a great, you know, cut of churrasco or something isn't fantastic. And you may actually like it better. Mm-hmm. You can make a great cigar that tastes good seven to ten dollars. But what you can't do is it can't be all the tippy-top everything, the highest quality control, the very best bunchers, the very best torsadors, the 
very best selection of the leaf because all of that ends up reserved. You are regretfully today at the price point of 10 to $14 is where you're at. But that doesn't mean that you can't make a cigar that you, you can make a 10 to $14 cigar that's nowhere near as good as a 7 to $8 cigar. So I, but yes, this concept that every cigar, cigars fall in price brackets for reasons. And ultimately, it's not just about the consumers. It's also about you selecting the quality of the various cuts of the tobacco crop and which workers you're going to dedicate to it and how stringent you're going to be on quality control and how stringent you're going to be on consistency. And when you're doing everything you possibly can do, you are regretfully now in the 10 to $14 range. But it doesn't mean that you can't make a very good, if not a better tasting cigar that more people will buy and enjoy than for 7 or $8. So that's what my statement is. Okay, so as I read it, I, and knowing you for as long as I have, I, I see you asking the question, and I know you're an opinionated guy, and you have your opinion on it, but you're asking everybody's opinion. And yeah, then I'm like I, every other jerk. I have my opinion, and yeah. the other jerk has his opinion. I'm not, I'm not. So you start off with asking the opinion, then you're jumping in and inducing your opinion in it as it goes on, which is keeping the flow. All of a sudden, it's slowing down, and then you jump in, and boom, it starts up again, which is awesome. But what I want to do is a quick lightning round of a a handful of questions here to ask you what is your opinion on questions that you've asked other people. I'm going to get in trouble. Go for it. Okay, so should brand owners post photos of their cigars on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't they? I don't know. You ask ask the question. If it's on their company page, if it's on their personal personal page, page... if it's in a cigar group that they're active in and they regularly participate in, absolutely. Now, if you're the guy that is posting a picture of your cigar in 20 Facebook groups with 8 million hashtags and your only participation is to go in there and basically what I consider being spamming, do that, then I think it's inappropriate. But ultimately, that's my opinion. It's the group that's in that Facebook group. They get to decide who they want to have in their group and who they don't want to group in the group. So some groups welcome the fact when people do that. Other groups get upset about it, and ultimately it belongs to the group administrators, the group, how they want to run the group. But personally, I look at that as being spamming when you just you know, post a picture and you upload it to 20 different groups. Yeah, and I, and I remember that. Uh, Ed Sullivan remembers in the early days of, um, uh, what was it called? Um, uh, ASC. ASC, yeah. Yeah, very and stringent. It, look, it, yep, it was. Look, and some people will accuse me of being guilty of it. Everybody has their own set standard. You know what I mean? And that's one of the reasons for the question. And as you saw in the response to that, some of the consumers, they, they welcomed it. They said they liked it. Other consumers said, no, this is just right. Blatant, you know, it goes both ways. It it's goes a, both ways. It, and it's very interesting. If, if you're not following this, you should, because if you're listening to the show, you care about these type of questions that are asked. So uh, here's another one. Is there a size of cigar you will not smoke? There's not a size I won't smoke per se, but I certainly, there's certain sizes I do not gravitate towards. I do not gravitate towards Robustos. And the reason I don't gravitate to Robustos is because I smoke all the time. So for me, a cigar being shorter is not a necessity ever. I'd rather smoke a Toro than a Robusto in almost every case. There's a few exceptions, you know, like, uh, like with Habanos, Partagas Series, D number fours. I really like those. Ramoneone, especially select. There's certain Robustos that I really key in on the size, and I go out of my way to smoke those. Um, I'm not a personally, and everyone knows this, I'm not a big fan of Lanceros. I never have been. Um, I find them always to be relatively simplistic, and I always think that, wow, it could have been a better cigar if it was made into a Lonsdale. So I don't tend to smoke a lot of, a lot of Lanceros. Um, I don't tend to smoke anything that's like a Slenderella. 
ever. Anything that's down in that 36, 38 ring gauge, well, 36, 34 kind of ring gauge. 60 ring gauge? Um, you know, I don't tend to smoke a lot of 60s, uh, but I have deviations from that. Um, uh, Figurato shapes, I'm much more, I'm much more accepting of a, of a, of a 60 ring gauge. Like, uh, um, well, like this, I, I'm making this now, it's, uh, an event only, uh, perfecto, right? That, uh, I'm going to start probably sharing with more people towards the tail end of the year. It'll ever come out of this package. Not, not the tail end of today? Not the tail no. end of today. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. But yeah. I mean, this is a 60 ring gauge cigar. No, okay. it's 60 where you put it in your mouth. But right. it's not, right. Right. No, it's not awesome. 60 where you put it in yeah. your mouth. Which is awesome. Um, right. I've you always get the been, benefits right. of cool burning. I've always been a huge fan of, there's a size at, at Hoyt in Nicaragua that they've made for many, many years that I think is a fantastic size. They call it their Grand Console. And it's actually, I actually asked them if it would be okay for a new product that I'm, well, not new, nothing's new, but a product that's going to get released at the trade show for nationwide distribution using that short 60 ring gauge Bellicoso because I think it's a fantastic shape, and I didn't know whether they'd let me do it or not do it because it is a size that's so synonymous with their factory. The same way as Lido has his chisel. That's sure. a very synonymous size yep. with Lido's work. This is a very synonymous size with them, and they were gracious enough to say, yes, mm. Steve, you can go ahead and make this grand console size. So I'm going to be using that. I thought Feral Flying Pig smoked beautifully, and that was a 60-ring-gauge cigar from Drew Estate when, yep. we, when we created that. So as a general rule, I don't. I will say, though, I, oddly enough, in Mi Querida, one of the sizes I personally tend to be gravitating towards is the 6x56, the Muy Gordo Grande. And I never smoke a cigar that big, but for whatever reason, I find myself smoking more and more Muy Gordo Grandes, you know, because I, I can pick any of the sizes out of the box I want, and I find I'm grabbing that more than I'm grabbing the normal Toro that I would grab a 6x52. So, okay. I mean, for me, bulk, if you count in most of my sizes, I can pretty much fit into... Most of my smoking fits into three boxes, a oversized plump Corona, a Lonsdale that's slightly thicker. I tend to like that 68, 46 to 48 kind of six-inch format, and Toro is a standard 6 by 52 that probably, that probably covers 85% of most of my just general smoking Hell choices. of a speed round you got going here, Dave. You're up to two questions. <laughs> All right. Does Facebook, a f- Facebook post influence <coughs> your buying or stop you from buying a brand? Uh, only consumers can answer that. I mean, it does to me. I mean, if I see something on Facebook that, you know, let's say Barry likes something that I had never paid any attention to, and he says, hey, it's like this, it's like that, it's like that, well, then I'll go, hey, you know, maybe that's one for me to add to my buy list and give it a whirl. Maybe I tried a brand, and I didn't particularly like it, but then uh, somebody else who I know raves about this particular size in that brand, well, then I'll, I'll go back and revisit it and try it again. So I know it personally affects me as a consumer when I see other people. It affects me far greater than a magazine ad. It affects me far greater than a magazine rating because at least when I see things on social media and they're posted by individual consumers, they're just, they're just unbiased right. reviews. There's no, they've got no reason to write it other than the fact that they want to share the information. Yeah. Now, whether I ultimately agree or don't agree, but I know that I personally, I put more stock in that. Okay. Does swag entice you to buy a box of cigars at an event? Me, it doesn't entice at all because most of the stuff you're getting is pretty much cheap Chinese crap. So very rarely do I find 
I mean, it's nice to get something free, perceived as free. It isn't really free. You're paying for it somewhere. But ultimately, I have never, ever, as a consumer, purchased a box of cigars because of the swag. I purchased the box of cigars because I like the cigars, and I just happen to get the hat and the cutter and the, you know, whatever else. I don't know. They, they, they have so much stuff now. But, uh, you know, as a manufacturer, I don't have any swag. I get complained at all the time by consumers. They want swag. Um, I don't really, I'm kind of caught because I don't really want to spend money on cheap Chinese crap. Yeah. Um, as a bald dude, I could use a ball cap because I use ball caps. Yeah. You know, but I'm the guy that would rather spend $27 and buy a really nice ball cap. You know, when Opus had their ball caps that you paid 27 bucks and it went to the charitable foundation. I was happy to spend the 27 bucks, and it went to the charity much quicker than I'm willing to take the free whatever the hat is. Now, certain people make beautiful swag. I think John Huber, Mm -hmm. that guy makes gorgeous hats. His hats are fantastic. You know what I mean? So you get certain manufacturers that make really, really nice swag, but most of that stuff is pretty crappy. Yeah. (laughs) Huber will be a guest on the 24th of June. He will. So So this one, you certainly don't have to answer, but you asked the question, uh, who is the next to give up their brand? Dun, dun, dun. That's tough, man. And that was a very interesting thread to look at because yeah. people were ch- chiming in and saying things, and a lot of it made sense. But, you know, you, listen, you're in the business. Pass on it yeah, if you want to pass. You know, but. I, I keep getting blindsided. I mean, I never thought, look, Raphael didn't give up his brand, but I never thought we'd see Raphael now working full-time for Altidus. Yeah. Um, you know, I was surprised when Sean got named being the brand ambassador for Cohiba, even though it makes a lot of sense, I can understand why. Um, you know, I, uh, it, it's tough to know this. I mean, the thing that everybody thinks is going on is everybody thinks it's the FDA causing this, but that's kind of on the back burner. The reality of what's happening is it's always been a very tough economic market in the cigar market. It's highly competitive. It's very challenging. It's very hard to determine what will be successful and what won't be successful. And in the end, I think a lot of people are under the perception that they're going to, it's like a get-rich-quick scheme. And ultimately what ends up happening is they find out that it's incredibly difficult to do, and they find themselves in an economic circumstance that kind of puts them where they're forced to kind of walk away or give up their thing. Because, I mean, you, you get, it's just, it, it's a very tough market. And so for me to project, project, I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, I hear it's, it, it's sad. It's, it's sad. It's, it's also, it's really, it's, it's offensive for me to, you know, it's one thing for me to ask consumers to get their feel, but for me to have an opinion on that I think is inappropriate. I got so many of them. I'm going to be the last be, one. It's going to be me. That's who it's going to no, be. No, it is not. Yes. So <laughs> this is the last one before we go to break, and you're going to stick with us? Yeah, absolutely. Next okay. So this more. one, very important. I saw it, and I said, wow, I'm really interested in this. Uh, is chicken and waffles a good culinary pairing? <laughs> you know, honestly, I used to think it was just disgusting <laughs> until, until I experienced it, and then I understood. You know what I mean? No. Was, you have to try these yeah, oddball wait, things you, because they're fantastic. Yeah, well, you like waffles and you like, I like chicken. I like yeah. waffles. <laughs> I love fried chicken. So do you put the but, chicken on top of the waffle? But the two and... together never made any sense to me until I actually experienced it for myself. And I was like, whoa, what the <laughs> hell? How could I be this fat and never have done this before? 
Because, I mean, when you start dipping the fried chicken in the maple syrup, oh, my God. It's unbelievable. I mean, you could just ask for a side of maple syrup with the fried chicken. What I don't understand is, why hasn't McDonald's done this? They should have a chicken nugget, you know, like a, a pancake waffle? stick <laughs> yeah. breakfast together. Because fact, it's a winner. Oh, my God. Winner, winner, winner chicken, chicken dinner. dinner. There we go. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, another sock of cigar. Um, and um, something that uh, most of his fans expected. That's what we're going to smoke. That's what I expected he was going to come out in the first place. We have cigar news and some news about the Cigar Authority, the important announcement. Are we going to do this? Barry shaking his head. It's not going to happen. We're not going to say it. Okay, we're going to hold it till next week. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And if you And if you happen to be smoking your sober Mesa from the Cigar Authority Care Package, always remember, keep the lid end out of your Stepping into the aging room has a new meaning at Aging Room Cigars as Raphael Nodell has traveled to Spain, where the idea for Aging Room Solera was born. The Solera method of aging has been used for centuries in the making of wine, sherry, brandy, and rum. The method mixes different vintages, allowing them to age together. For Aging Room Solera, Raphael takes several tobacco vintages and puts them in bales where they age together for another 12 to 18 months. This allows the tobaccos to marry for a longer period of time. At the end of the aging process, Aging Room Solera becomes a balanced and complex cigar with a fantastic price point. Aging Room Solera. It will have you calling for an encore. In a time where humidors are overflowing and retailers' shelves are on the verge of buckling, there is one brand that stands out amongst the rest. Sereno Cigar Company offers four distinct blends. The Connecticut, the Medio, Maduro, and Maduro XX. All aged to perfection. Crafted at the La Corona Cigar Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, each artfully crafted blend comes to life by the experienced hands of master blender Omar Gonzalez Aleman and industry veteran Anthony Sereno. To create this masterpiece, a combination of hand-selected filler tobaccos from the fertile soil of Estelian Jalapa are aged for over five years and then draped with a luxurious wrapper leaf to bring you an endlessly complex and majestic experience. A post-roll aging process of two additional years allows the blend to marry, creating unmistakable and ever-changing tasting notes that tantalize the palate, leaving you anticipating each and every drop. Visit SerenoCigars.com for a list of retailers, and you can always find Sereno Cigars available online at TwoGuysCigars.com. Sereno, a majestic cigar age to perfection. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast, or better yet, passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine. 
Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. The La Galera Habano uses a classic wrapper on a staple cigar for a classy company. Hi there, this is David Garofalo of the Cigar Authority, and I want, no, no, I need to tell you about La Galera Habano. The La Galera Habano is an authentic cigar elaborated with the hands of the best cigar rollers of Tabacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic. Blended around an outstanding, flavorful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican-grown Corojo binder, and the filler made up of Peloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and Peloto Oro, creating a medium to full-bodied, attractively consistent, and aromatic smoke that envies no other. I love this cigar. Have you tried La Galera Habano yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Available at Better Cigar Shops worldwide is La Galera Habano. The wait is over. La Galera Habano. It was 2010 on my 50th birthday. Nick Perdomo from Perdomo Cigars showed up in my office and honored me with a gift. It was a box of cigars. But this box of cigars was not what I expected, one I never saw before, something without the Perdomo name on it. It was my name, Garofalo. Garofalo Cigars has my name on it, but it was blended and created by Perdomo as a gift, a gift of a brand of cigars. So what should you expect from a Garofalo cigar? Rich layers of complex flavors, but offered in a mild to medium body profile. A blend comprised of fine Cuban seed Nicaraguan tobaccos, including a triple fermented five-year aged Connecticut shade wrapper. I'm honored to have Garofalo, my name, surrounding such a wonderful cigar. I would be honored if you would give a Garofalo cigar a try. Garofalo Cigars, an honor. This yep. is the Cigar Authority. That's right. The authority. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? On everything cigar. Got too far. In. There's too much to lose. And out of the cigar industry. Keep With your host. Come the David Garofalo. On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. Mr. Jonathan. You know what? I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Barry Stone. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. And Chuck Morrison. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. That or uh, his dudeness or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's time to light him up. Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. It's time. Good housekeeping. For the Cigar Authority. Did we just become best friends? Yep. And we are back with our number two, broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studios. We are the self-proclaimed Cigar Authority, now in our eighth year, keeping you informed about everything cigar. Welcome, everybody, to... Back to the Cigar Authority. And you're, I'm out. I have nothing. Yeah, you haven't probably... Wow, it's, welcome back testing, to the Cigar Authority. Testing, there we go. go. Yeah. All right, you're listening to the Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S., and yes, the world that is always broadcast on location, and we are the only show that doesn't just allow smoking. We insist, we demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at thecigarauthority.com where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, or podbean.com, where you can set it and forget it. Before we get to the next cigar, we're smoking the Soba Mesa. It was a small size cigar, 
thin ring gauge. Thin ring gauge, and it's burning so slow. Steve, why it, does your cigar burn slower than another another cigar? Because it's properly bunched. There's a lot of tobacco. Wow, a nice short answer there. You're going to just go. push them for more. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just it's the it's the technique. You know, we employed it on Liga Pravada. We started doing it. It's this kind of lazy, untubado style, and it allows you to get a tremendous amount of tobacco in the cigar without creating draw issues and also while maintaining combustion. And uh, it ends up giving you, I mean, I would say on average, Almost all the cigars that I make smoke 15 to 20 minutes longer than almost any other cigar of comparable size. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I mean even I'm... a little short Churchill, you look at that cigar and you think it's going to be a 30-minute smoke, and it's a 45-minute smoke. Yeah. Okay. And, so, it, and it, helps keep the, it helps keep the burn cooler. And when it, the burn stays cooler, the smoke is more pleasurable. It also helps to keep the combustion more even. I mean, there's a lot of benefits of doing it that way. And, you know, for me... I want to see that. I want to see the cigar to continue to smoke itself through the head. I want to see that smoke waft out of it because I, I can't stand a cigar that's just even slightly tight. I find it annoying. I mean, it occasionally happens, but you want it to be the, the rare exception rather sure. than it be a common occurrence. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, when they pick up my cigars, go, wow, that feels really firm. But the truth is uh, draw problems are very rarely an issue with uh, any, any of the products that uh, are from Dunbarton. There we go. I agree. So uh, next cigar we're going to smoke is a different size Micaria than I've ever seen before. What is this, Barry? Well, from Steve Saka's Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, Micaria translates to my mistress. For many of us, cigars are the other woman. We take care of them with lavish gifts such as humidors and tend to them often by rotating before ravishing, smoking them. Covered in a rich Connecticut broadleaf wrapper over Nicaraguan binders and fillers, this is a cigar to showcase and not keep hidden. Be careful, because others might get jealous of what you have. Prices range from 9 to $10, and I believe we are smoking a cigar that is 4 by 48 Yeah, 4 by 48 Okay, and what size is it called? It's called a gordita. Gordita. Gordita is a term that is used to describe somebody that's short and plump and pleasant. It's me. <laughs> it's me sometimes. It depends what day it is. It's going to be awkward so putting this in my mouth now. So, no, it's, a term, <laughs> it's a term of affection. It's already awkward after that description you just read. Okay, so let's give it a cut and light. And this is something that is available now. You guys bring me one. What oh, a setup this is. Wow. Here we go. Gentleman Chuck's got you. Thank you, Chuck. So this is a... Uh, I actually some- don't want to give this up. You, you, you smoke that one. You smoke it, buddy. Absolutely. This All is, right, when I get through this. This is something uh, that is available now? Um, yeah, it's been available, like all of my products, have been available prior to the deadline date. But we haven't actively been selling it. Um, it's been one of those things that, you know, retailers who like me, K. Rita, a lot, they go, do you have anything smaller? And we say, yeah, we happen to have a couple sizes smaller, one of which is Gordita. We have another one called Pequeño Pequeño, which is 4x44. And we've been selling them to those retailers who have specifically asked. We're going to uh, showcase it at this year's IPCPR in a big way. We just added it to our price sheet. So it's another one of those cigars that appears like it's new when in reality it isn't new. Okay, is this under under the nine dollar? Um, I don't actually know because I haven't figured out the price $8 increase and yet. But it's it's kind of it's kind of pricey because you know small cigars don't cost significantly less to make. 
Okay. So let's give it a cut and light and see how long it takes to smoke it. Uh, because it's 4 by 48 you said? Yeah, 4 by 48 4 by 48 It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand, while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. For my man, Nick. Yes. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. And... Uh, while we're on it, I, I want to say this. I, I think Nick Nick and Perdomo Cigars, I think they make some of the best value cigars in the marketplace. They do. They I think, do. I think you, you're very hard-pressed to find a better bang for your buck in that price point. I concur. I, and is the way the Nicaragua factory near them? Um, well, the, all the factories are near one another okay. in Esteli, but I mean... Uh, proportion. I mean, uh, Nick's factory is right next door to Oliva. It's just a little bit north of where Placencia is, just a little bit east of where uh, um, Noxa is, uh, whereas uh, Hoya de Nicaragua is the oldest factory, so it's more on the south side of Esteli, and it's, uh, it's more in the town area, whereas uh, the other one is more in Rosario. Okay, I got a little sweeter taste on the cold drawer on this cigar. Than I did on the others. Now I'm starting to toast it up with what? What is We're going to light our cigar today, Dave, with the Vertigo Warrior. This is a 14.99 Superstar. It features wow. three jets, single action push button. It's got the patented Vertigo big ass tank and a push out button, uh, push button punch at the bottom with an easy adjustment reel. Retails for 14.99. That's the Vertigo Warrior. Great value lighter right there. So you mentioned you're going to showcase this at the trade show. Anything else you're going to be showcasing at the uh, trade show? Yeah, we're going to be uh, we're going to be offering Todos Las Dias, which is a uh, for most retailers it'll be a new brand. It's a uh, it's a Nicaraguan cigar. Um, it's a uh, stronger blending. It's a bit leaner. It's a bit more peppery. It's a bit racier. Ten count boxes. It's going to come in a ten count box. I actually I actually have one here. It's a prototype box of these ones that are coming in. Those that are watching on the uh, YouTube put channel. Pass that over to Dave. Dave, we can, we can put it. This is where Vanna White up. kills. This is where we need <laughs> That's right. That's, that's why she wins, right? <laughs> yeah. But they're going to come in 10-count packages, and they're going to be grossly overpriced. Perfect. Meaning what? Um, I'm still working on the tobacco yield numbers, but I think they're going to probably fall somewhere in the 10 to $13 range. I, I had hoped that they were going to fall sub $10, but... I kind of I kind of screwed the pooch on it. You're good because I kept I kept making it what I thought to be better, and it just kept getting more and more costly to make. And that's a so, six by fifty two, but you got many sizes. Um, I'm only going to initially offer. I mean, like everything, there's multiple sizes that were imported before the date. But at the trade show, we're going to feature four primary sizes. Okay. All right. We'll look for that. I got a little bit of molasses and a little sweet, bit of. A, a well-cooked beef chunk with the burnt mm. ends. A little, a little bit of that uh, grizzle. I love charcoal. Burnt. I love that burnt end on the outside. A little salt. This is super aromatic, all in the nose. And uh, fortunately, it's, it's I can't beef. tell allergies. Yeah, it's it's beefy. That it's 
there's some uh, juice to this. Yeah. Okay, it's time for the Don Raphael offer of the day. And today's offer is uh, brought to you by Steve Saka. Something he said to me a long time ago, oh, wow. and he may he may recall this. So Don Raphael Cigars, everyone has a price. Would you do this, and for how much? And maybe you'll remember this, Steve, and I think you were offering uh, a box of cigars for somebody that did this. But I would offer $1,000 to our panel here if they would eat a whole five-pound block of Velveeta cheese. Oh, yes. I, do you remember that? I do remember that. <laughs> I only did one-pound blocks. Oh, one pound? Okay. Yes. All right, we'll, we'll even go with one pound block. Of but the deal was all 20, 25 people that were with us that day all had to eat the entire pound in order to get the, we had a really rare limited Liga Provadas on the table. And the deal was for everyone to get the rare limited Liga Provadas, everybody had to eat a whole pound of Velveeta. And I pulled a plug on it. He was, he wanted to go and I'm like. Thinking of my insurance policy, I'm, what am I up to, and all this, and I said, "Nah, we're not going to do it." And he, because I see you doing some of those crazy stu- things at, at events. Here's the thing: these cigar events are so darn boring. So <laughs> yeah, so anything that I can get some sort of entertainment value out of, I've started doing this thing where I have people eating bugs. Yeah, that's very entertaining. Yes, um, for you, I've done I've done this thing where they where they try to you know. Uh, Eat a, uh, a nine million Scoville lollipop, which just to put it in perspective, uh, jalapenos forty six thousand Scovilles, uh, ghost peppers a little over a million, a Carolina Reaper's two point two million. So this is four times hotter than a Carolina Reaper. It's very entertaining. And I saw a guy do it, and he was losing his mind while yeah, he was doing it. It's, it's crazy. And, and that, what did he get? A box of cigars. He got no. In the end, I ended up ponying up some cash just to keep him in the game. Okay. So, uh, so a thousand bucks, five pound block of Velveeta, would you do it? Uh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yes. You absolutely do it? Yes. Yes. I a agree. Thousand bucks? I'm out. Love cheese. I don't five pound. That's block. not cheese. That's a cheese it product. Can I, I melt it on it. top of some nachos? And add to it? No, just you got to eat nothing but that. Get a spoon and go for it. Sure. Dude, if five pounds of Velveeta's was going to put me in the grave, I don't think so. <laughs> thousand I think, bucks. I think there's a good shot. I don't need the spoon. I'll just eat it by the block. Oh, my God, Man, Chuck. No yeah, I'm in. Oh, my God. I go. thought this was an absolute no across the board. Well, it's no for me. I'm, you won't eat the devil dog, what, for Christ's sake. On my next appearance, <laughs> on my next appearance, you bring the cheese and the thousand bucks cash, and we'll do it. We'll Steve, make you it do go. do it for free, buddy. Well, no. I, I don't for like thousand, that. thousand? That yeah. would be for epic. a thousand? Good God. A thousand would be epic. You're not going to poop. A thousand, I'm drowning weeks. puppies. What are we talking <laughs> about? A block of Velveeta cheese? He's with Mr. Jonathan. Would you eat a puppy? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. No? I wouldn't even drown. Will you lick a urinal? Yeah. No. <laughs> Jonathan would. Okay, that's the Don Raphael offer of the day. I'm, I'm actually shocked. Shocked. Um, I, I, and, I, and I thought people weren't going to do it, and they would get sick over it. I just can't fathom five pounds of that. It's time for What's Up in the Cigar World with Barry Stein. It's time for What's Up in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. Voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is the Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse Cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse Cigar today. 
So we're seven weeks out from IPCPR. Normally, yeah. this would be the time of the year where the cigar news would be loaded with new product releases that are going to be coming out. Right. Fortunately, that's not happening. So, Dave, the news today is loaded with your favorite cigar news legislation. Oh, great. According to great. the political website, The Daily Caller, President Trump is expected to announce plans to restrict travel to and from Cuba and discourage companies from doing business with the Cuban government. The announcement is expected to come in Miami sometime this month with Marco Rubio. As a cigar smoker, one hopes this is just posturing in the art of the deal. Delaware, Minnesota, and Oregon currently have bills pending that would raise tobacco taxes in their respective states. Indiana has announced a bill that would prohibit cigar smoking inside cigar lounges. Gross. Meanwhile, New Jersey would authorize a municipality to adopt an ordinance allowing certain new cigar lounges within that municipality that are exempt from the provisions of the New Jersey Smoke-Free Air Act. And that's what's up in the cigar world. What's up? What's up in the cigar world was brought to you by Recluse Cigars. The Recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva uses grade A Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a San Andreas binder, a Dominican Lajero Seco, and Pennsylvanian broadleaf filler tobaccos, which create a blend we call the cigar of the year. Recluse Cigars is... What's up? So I should not book my trip for the Habanos Festival this year? I would, I would wait a few weeks. Wow. What's a Lajero Seco? What? Didn't you say Dominican Lajero Seco? I have no idea what I said, Steve. Oh. I, I think read, it was Dominican Lajero, comma, Seco. Uh, you didn't put that dramatic comma, comma poison. Yeah. Okay. We're not professionals here. <laughs> um, At all. So next week, we have a big announcement from Chuck Morrison. He's got a big thing to tell all of us. And we thought we had an announcement to say, but Barry's saying to hold off on this. And yep. So we'll save that for next uh, week. In true so, cigar world fashion, things tend to happen at a crawl. Okay, so we will have oh, some announcements. Teasing. It's teased. It teased, is. Teased. But we will talk about the faces of the brands next week. And uh, we're supposed to have a, a special release, and we don't know about that either. So, uh, But Barry's going to be away. Yes, I will be away in parts unknown. Oh, and really? Yes. Oh, is that how you're oh. playing it? That's how I'm playing All it. All right, we'll keep it that way. The following week, June 17th, we have Tony and Carson Serino, father and son team from Serino Cigars, joining us for Father's Day weekend up here, followed by June 21st, John Huber, Mike Conder from, from Crown Heads, and uh, moving ahead to Eric Hansen from Hammer and Sickle, Max Bickler from Rocky Patel, and then we will be live from the IPCPR trade show, uh, which is less than 50 days away. And then the return on July 22nd of Steve Saka back again. Which I was kind of stunned to find that out. I just learned about that a couple of weeks ago. Really? Yeah. How, do, how do I have that? Is that I don't a, know. I didn't agree to that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Now's the time to pull it, out. It's, it's on my calendar now. All but, right. Uh, <laughs> okay. And on uh, July 29th should be an interesting show. We have A.J. Fernandez live in studio. <laughs> the thing about A.J. Fernandez, and a great cigar maker, but he doesn't speak English. So the entertainment value but, but alone. But let me tell you yeah. this. We've done this before. Don't kid yourself. Really? He speaks more English than he seems to speak. Ah, so he listens. Be, be very selective about when you're MFing him behind his back. Okay. He understands. I don't MF. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. August 5th. Duly noted. <laughs> yes. He understands far more than you think. August 5th will be Rocky Patel from Rocky Patel Cigars joining us. And August 12th, we will uh, do our annual uh, episode of predictions of what's coming ahead. So that's what the calendar looks like. I love like. the prediction episode. Very interesting. Very interesting. 
Um, so what are you getting for the, the flavors here on this Mikoria? Much different than the – should it be different than the, a regular Mikoria? Um, no. I mean, look, uh, unlike Sober Mesa where there's a lot of variety within the spread, Mikoria is a much more simplistic kind of approach. So Mikoritas are just generally that kind of earthy, dark, that broadleaf sweetness, mm-hmm. a little bit dirty. I mean, it's that kind of profile. Um, you know, in the gordita, some people say it packs a lot more punch. I don't personally experience that the same way other people do. I got it. I think I'll, it's, I uh, you know, it. I, think it's, I think it's the same, you know, in my personal strength meter, I put it like an eight, you know. It's up there. It's all of that. And, and it, it's uh, meaty, yes. Yeah. Meaty. Uh, I'm feeling it, and it's but it's burning slow, like we said it was going to burn. Yeah, it's burning, burning slow and cool. Burning so for a little cigar like this, it's it's going. Okay, let's take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away. It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Take no prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80. That's right. That's Asylum. And this story has gone viral on Pop Culture Radio. Access Denny Kwan has been banned from making movies in Cambodia for one full year because she was deemed too sexy by the Ministry of Culture and Fine Arts. Where's my phone? i got to Google this now. <laughs> she, she has been ordered to take re-education classes to reduce her sexiness. That's Denny Kwan. Denny? How can somebody be named Denny and be so sexy? She's pretty hot. I, for one, am glad I don't live in Cambodia because I cannot control how sexy I am. Maybe Denny needs to seek asylum in America. We would love her as sexy as she is. Absolutely. That's insane. That's asylum. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, so when he looks it up and it turns out that I didn't yes. make this up. This is a fact checker. I like Let's it. Do we're it. gonna know we're gonna know right now. It's so on you, like Donkey Kong. So you think she's sexy and she knows it? I think she is sexy. <laughs> and, and she knows it. And she certainly knows it. Is she, oh, is come she on. too sexy for her shirt? That's too, what I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> Look up topless photos. Let's see if she's too sexy for her shirt. I'm, fat fingers are getting in the way here. Okay, while you're doing that, I'm gonna. It gives me a breather to, to ask a couple of quick questions here. Do you ever go back and retry a cigar you didn't like? No. And the, only, the only time I go back and try a cigar I didn't like is because somebody who I personally admire their palate really goes out of their way to say, "Duh, you really got to give it another try." But the truth is, as consumers, we have thousands of choices on the shelf. And there's no reason why I need to revisit a cigar. I know people say you've got to smoke two or three, give it a fair chance. It's not my job to be fair. I don't care. It's my, it's my $10, it's my 12 bucks. it's my $6, whatever it is. I don't pay for cigars that I didn't personally enjoy. So you know you don't like it. You're not going back to it. Why? There's so many great choices. There we go. So, so you uh, manufacturers out there, you've got one shot at these people, so make it good. Don't mess around. Uh, do you believe magazines and bloggers are truly unbiased? 
in their reviews. No, everybody's biased. The whole point of doing a review is to be biased. Everybody comes to it with their own set of opinions. I mean, uh, like uh, Barry recently wrote a review of Moester de Saka, the Exclusivo, and for him it kind of fell flat. It was just too mild and it didn't really have the type of oomph that I know Barry likes to smoke. Do I think Barry was being dishonest in his review? No, I think Barry was being very honest with his perspective on the cigar. Where for another consumer, I, they tell me they don't find it to be a mild cigar at all. They find it to be medium plus. So I, I, think, that, I think that most of the people that write about cigars are trying to give you their honest opinions. So I think bias is part and parcel of a review. As long as it's not intentionally malicious, yep. as long as it's not unfactual, but I, 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 that's part of when I read a review, I always try to take in consideration as to, well, what else, this is one of my, like back in the day, you know, Playboy used to have the music reviews, right? And they may still do it. I don't know. But they used to have like four guys uh, every month that would rent, rate the albums that were coming out. And I knew that there was one particular guy that his musical taste and my musical taste were in sync. So there were two of those reviewers that I never cared what they say because we were always opposite. But this one guy, if he really liked that album, that was one that interests me. If he didn't like it so much, I knew I was less interested. Yeah. Because I knew that my musical taste kind of profiled with his musical taste. Same goes for movies. Yeah. That, you know, I like stupid movies, and that's what I like. And there's a guy that likes stupid movies. And when he says, you've got to see this movie, I've got to see that movie. And when, I, when Barry does a review and he doesn't care for a cigar because it ends up falling flat or being too mild, I tend to become more interested. So it goes, I think it goes both ways. Barry exactly. and I tend to be the exact opposite, and, except and I think, for today. And I think people tend to gravitate to the, like he was just saying, to the reviewer that's similar to their palate. Yeah. Wow. Show she, that, she show is, that on your camera. She dad. is hot. Give them a close-up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not them in the audience. They got their own damn phones. <laughs> right? Oh, She's wow. pretty hot? Yeah. yeah. Is she too sexy, though? We, we got to get you her can bring it up a little bit closer to the camera. So go. I think that we've proven that uh, too, I do too not make sexy these to up. be banned. Come on! It really <laughs> happened. The Ministry of Culture and Fine Arts. Is this real? Because they're spectacular. Kimbo. <laughs> <laughs> she we paid for them. It. Of course, they're real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's if, real you for, if you paid for them, they're real. Yeah. All right, let's go to break. And uh, when we come back, uh, we got more in the mailbag. Gentlemen, Chuck Morrison will chime in. Debonair style, a classic three-way and more. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Smokey Joe's is changing the dress code when it comes to enjoying a premium handmade cigar. Using the finest materials of velvet and silk, their smoking jackets are made for a lasting impression. Smokey Joe's has fitted the likes of Smokey Robinson, James Brown, Sammy Davis Jr., and now they want to fit you too with a smoking jacket. Proudly designed and manufactured in the USA, Smokey Joe's invites you to feel the inspiration of fashion from an era where clothing was designed using only the finest materials and craftsmanship. Smokey Joe's clothing continues to be a story of America at its best. Innovation, hard work, and fearless enterprise. When you light up the best, smoke it while wearing the best. Smoking Joe's Smoking Jackets. Available at SmokeyJoe'sClothing.com That's SmokeyJoe'sClothing.com Be sure to tell them the Cigar Authority sent you. 
Let's talk a little about Rough Rider cigars. So here is where the motorcycle culture meets Cigar Nation. This badass looking cigar uses the name Rough, but delivers a smooth as silk ride each and every time. Even before lighting one, you can't help but notice its sweet like honey flavor. Smooth and creamy, resembling slightly sweetened butter. Outstanding! The Rough Rider cigar is so beautiful in so many ways. We're talking a premium cigar, imported, long filler cigar, but wait till you hear the price. Every cigar is in the $3 price range, that's right. Even the Churchill in the 6x60, every cigar is in the $3 price range. Rough Rider cigars, there's nothing rough about Rough Rider except the name. Rough Rider Cigars. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavada number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Founded in 1989 by Mariana and Nestor Miranda, Miami Cigar & Company proudly celebrates their 25th anniversary with the release of their flagship brand, the Nestor Miranda Collection. Made in Esteli, Nicaragua by Don Pepin Garcia, the collection is available in three distinct wrappers aimed to please even the toughest critic. Nestor Miranda Collection. You only get one life. How will you live yours? Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake. Jose Dominguez, not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donut. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more. It's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. In 1848, in honor of the English poet Lord Byron, a cigar brand named Byron was first created. 
Through three centuries, Byron has gone through many hands, but today it is back with the family that first created them. Returning to the early days, now the brand, in a very limited quantity, is produced in a small factory in Costa Rica. Nelson Alfonso offers three Byron blends honoring all three centuries of Byron, Siglo 19, Siglo 20, and Siglo 21. Other cigars sit in an aging room for 60 days, but every Byron cigar sits in an aging room for a period of at least one full year, then and only then into ultra-luxurious porcelain jars and state-of-the-art cigar humitubes packaging. Sure, Byron's packaging is unique and costly to produce, but nothing else will do for a cigar of this quality and taste. Byron cigars. Cigars of poetry. Sophisticated. Byron. This is Armand Hassan, and you are listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And we are back live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studios with us, Steve Sock from Dunbot and Tobacco and Trust. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. Steve, I have some questions that you didn't make, but I made uh, some of my own. And you can choose to pass or play, um, and you can uh, leave out... Um, pass. Pass right <laughs> off the bat. Pass. No, mo- go ahead. Mo- most unique... Or favorite cigar lounge, and leave, leave two guys out of it at right. all times. First off, you wouldn't get it because yours are kind of, yeah. and you don't have to, <laughs> and you don't have to bring that up either. But yeah. that's a- favorite cigar lounge, you know, this is going to sound like a really weird thing to say. I have, you know, in touring the country, yep. There's a huge cigar boom going on right now, with really, a, with a particular demographic. Okay, there's a cigar boom going on with black cigar consumers. Okay. Okay, I didn't know and, that. And yeah, I know you don't know it because we live in New Hampshire. Okay. And you know there always was Southside Chicago, Atlanta, but it's now going nationwide. And what's happening is there's a lot of black owners that are opening essentially black only shops. It's not like it's posted on the door. Yeah. But they're opening them in neighborhoods that you would typically not open a cigar store in, and they're set up as social clubs. And these places tend to open at four o'clock in the afternoon, and they stay open till two and four in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Liquor license, right? Liquor yeah. license, absolutely. Or yeah. they're BYOB, one okay. of the two. And I have just had a great time visiting a lot of these cigar lounges around the country. There's one in uh, Atlanta, Cigaros. I was in there like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and there was probably 150 people in there. It was one in the morning. Wow. They had the the DJ spinning old school hip hop, and I did a quick head count, and I would say that. 70% 70 of the people out of the 150 were women wow. and they were also smoking cigars right along with their guys and it's just it's a really fun great atmosphere to hang out and to smoke a cigar very social and i mean there's some very beautiful cigar lounges around the country i mean you got Abe's with his smoke-ins. You've got Casa de Monte Cristo in Chicago. That's a gorgeous store. You've got, you know, you've got Nat Sherman's in New York, which is a gorgeous place to smoke cigars. There's, there's a lot of, I mean, Vartan, he owns a small place, Ambassador Cigars, but he has a Davidoff lounge that's yeah. just surreal. It's so serene when you say so. There's a lot of beautiful lounges around the country, but I've been having an awful lot of fun visiting these, uh, these black uh, social clubs. Cigar oh. smoking clubs. They've, been okay. a, they've just been a blast. I, and you feel very comfortable? You're the only white guy in the place or something? Dude, I was there, and everyone I visited so far, I'm typically the only white guy for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Uh, how about worst? Do you want to bring up? You don't have to bring up names, but you, no, you see all crappy. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing. that When it comes to cigar lounges, 
Like, there's a place in Arizona called Don Cigars, and it's a pretty crappy store, okay? But he's a fantastic <coughs> owner, and he's a fantastic regular crew. So I love going to this store. You look at the store, and you go, eh, you know what I mean? But once you walk in it and you sit down at the table with the people that hang out all the time, it's a fantastic shop. Yeah. I love being in that place. So often, you know, you know, nice sofas and pretty lights and this and that. They aren't really what ultimately makes a good place versus a bad place. It's really the people that frequent sure. it that ultimately end up making it a place that you like to be or a place you don't like to be. So I, I think it's and I think it's why people choose individual stores. They go to the place for their home shop that they feel the most comfortable in. Okay, while you're enjoying life till its fullest, it's important to be debonair. How to be more debonair and gentleman-like is Gentleman Chuck Morrison. You need a gentleman? Gentleman. I'm a gentleman. You need a gentleman? <laughs> you wouldn't want to call me gentleman. Ladies, fasten your seatbelts. Switch on your electronic devices. You need a gentleman? And this is The Gentleman's Way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. Debonair Cigars provide its clients with... Wait for it. Suspension of reality. Time spent smoking a debonair can never be subtracted from one's life. Today, gentlemen, lessons from a nine-year-old. As a father of two children, I take pride in teaching my children the simple rules of etiquette, good behaviors, and mannerisms... Well, I came across an article on Parent.com this week which outlined 25 manners every kid should know. And as I was reading this article, I couldn't help but think, forget children, these are manners that every adult should know. And aside from eating and table mannerisms that we'll save for Barry when he returns from his vacation, (laughs) today I narrowed down the top three manners every child, excuse me, gentleman, should not only know but execute daily. Number one is not to interrupt others while they are speaking. Allow others to make their points, and if you have something of value to add, wait until they are done speaking before you speak. Even Steve, while he's going on in his diatribes, yes. and we're interviewing so you're, him? You're interrupting. Oh, sorry. If you have <laughs> something urgent to say, say excuse me. Number two, do not comment on other people's physical characteristics, unless, of course, it's to compliment them, which is always welcome. This is especially true when conversing with women. Honey, does this dress make me look fat? You look amazing, baby. By the way, Jonathan, that's a fine-looking smoking jacket. Thank you. Number three, and this might be my favorite because it seems to be a forgotten behavior. You ready? When you walk through a door, look to see if you can hold it for someone else. And if you see someone else, hold the door open. Bonus tip, while holding the door open, do it with a smile and say hello. Can we learn from our children? Absolutely. Basic manners like these go a long way in revealing excellent character and will ensure you're being debonair. That's The Gentleman's Way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. Gentlemen, the question every single time, are you debonair enough? Here we go. And Sm- me- Smoking Jack's provided by SmokingJoe'sClothing.com. SmokingJoe'sClothing.com. <laughs> we got- off the E. He's a real deal. I mean, he did that live. He is so smooth. He, he's great. You are not paying him enough. He is the only professional part of this show. There we go. <laughs> well, absolutely. This is what he does for a living, but wow. Uh, <laughs> What are you going to do? What do you got, Barry? I got nothing. Oh, I, Steve. Ready to say <laughs> I thought you had something to say. We did a photo shoot for the uh, for Smokey Joe's last yes, week. That was kind yeah. of exciting. Yes, I didn't see the picture. You've got to send it to me. I want to see the Okay, I'll try to get it before I fly out. There's no try, Barry. 
Yeah, there's only two. I don't know if I have the card at home. It might be in the office. Okay, Steve Saka, favorite non-Saka cigar. New and old. New and old. Favorite non-Saka cigar, new and old. You know, I think sometimes you gravitate towards your old war horses, and for me, the first cigar I ever bought a full box of was a box of Arturo Fuente Hemingway Signature. Mm. And I know, for me, it seems very mild, but I've always marveled at how well that blend works with the delicate spice of the Cameron wrapper, and I think it's uh, an immaculately well-made cigar, and here it is, what, we're looking at 30-plus years later, I guess? We're close to over 30 years, (laughs) and uh, I still always make sure I have a couple boxes in my home humidor. Yes. You've never come out with a a Cameroon wrapper with with even a past company you work with, right? You never used a Cameroon? Yeah, you know, Cameroon wrapper A is very difficult to work with. It's very fragile. It's very tender. Secondly, the Fuentes have a lock on all the best. So whenever you're buying Cameroon, you're always kind of taking sloppy seconds. With, uh, with the Mirafelds, because the Fuentes do grab all the very best for their production. And the other thing is most of the cigars I tend to make tend to be significantly stronger, and for me to use a Cameroon wrapper would really be a waste. So no Connecticut Shade cigars in your future? No, maybe there'll be Connecticut Shade, but that's a much different situation than uh, Cameroon. We have a question from the chat box. Sure. Uh, Steve, favorite non-pornographic magazine? <laughs> favorite non-pornographic. I think it's Good Housekeeping. Good Housekeeping. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, you, How about a new cigar? How about a new favorite? A uh, new favorite. Wow. New stuff that's out there in the past couple of years. Okay, let me say this. I don't know that it counts as a new, but I, I have found myself smoking quite a few tap blacks over the last couple of years. Okay. I particularly like that... Um, he calls it a weird size. I think he calls it a petite Lancero, <coughs> but it's really like a Lonsdale. Yes. And uh, so I, I, I like that cigar. I, I, find that, uh, I find the balance of it to be really good. And, you know, a cigar that I tried uh, recently that I thought was quite good, and you're going to have him on the program, was uh, I think that La Creme from Crown Heads. Um, again, it's a milder, smoother style of cigar, but I, I thought that was a particularly nice blend. I, I, I hope it does well in the marketplace. Sometimes it's harder to get those smoother, more suave yeah. style of products to, to click with uh, consumers because they take his, longer. But it's, it's really, it's a beautifully well-executed blend. I think blend. it's his best regular production blend to date. I know for me personally, I really enjoyed that cigar every time mm-hmm. I light it up. Okay, good. Right now it's time for the classic this day in classic history brought to you by Classic Cigars. You've heard of epic rap battles. But now it's time for the epic battle. Wow. It's kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. For this day. Tell anyone about this, I'll kill you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In classic history. Is looking at you, kid. Brought to you by Classic Cigars. Nervous? Yes. All classic cigars are handmade and imported from the Dominican Republic, and every cigar is priced under, get this, under $3 per cigar. You like that, baby? Let him know where I came from, yeah! Choose any blend, including the Classic Connecticut for its mild and smooth taste, the Classic Maduro for its bold and spicy flavor, or the Classic Cuban for its sweet, sun-grown and nutty overtones. Undertones, you idiot! Whichever classic you choose, it's a classic cigar. Available at twoguyscigars.com. That's twoguyscigars.com. Celebrate today with a classic cigar. Okay, Steve, you're gonna you're in on this. 
Okay. It's best without going over. I always without lose going this anyway. So and, and you two guys that are sitting next to each other, Barry and Chuck, I'm going to have you guys work together as a team. Whoa. How's that? Whoa. Who, who, was the, who was the champion last week? Barry. Barry was. So here he goes. It's going to Barry first. Today is June 3rd, and it's the birth date of Raphael Nodell. Ooh. Grand Slam tennis champion. Let's see if we're close to that. <laughs> oh, oh, that Rafael yes. Nadal. Oh, the other one. Who defeated Roger Federer in an epic Wilmington championship game. He won his eighth French Open championship, became a model for Giorgio Armani. Rafael Nadal, the other Rafael Nadal, born today. What year? So we're going to split the difference and we're going to say 1977. 77. I'm going to say 1965. 65. 78. 78 for the point. Oh. For the point, it is 86. Whoa. 86. Wow, wow. Young man. And this is over to Mr. Jonathan. Today is Anderson Cooper's birthday. TV investigative reporter and son of Gloria Vanderbilt. He became famous as the host of Anderson Cooper 360 on CNN. From the ages of 10 to 13, he modeled for Raphael Raphael Nadal, for (laughs) Ralph Lauren. Anderson Cooper. 1958. 58. Really? Wow. I wasn't even close to that. I'm, I'm go, usually wrong. I'm, gonna go, I'm, I'm going with 71. 71. Chuck and, and I will split the difference and go with 1966. 66 for the point. 67. Very, Whoa. very oh close. Oh, my God. Good Would have had two points. Barry, I'm going to stop. I'm going <laughs> to stop writing things down. Yeah, somebody had it? He had two points. Oh, wow. We split the difference. But you 65. ruined it. Yeah. Steve Saka. Today is the birth date of Bernard Schwartz. Any idea who he My was? Schwartz is bigger than your Schwartz. No. A.K.A. Tony Curtis. Oh, God. Claimed actor who starred in some of I Like, uh, Some Like It Hot. His career spanned for six decades. He was Rocky Curtis on the Flintstones. That's what yes, I remember Yes, he was. Wow. Spartacus, uh, Operation Petticoat, the, the Fine Ones. He married actress Janet Lee and had a daughter called Jamie Lee Curtis. The late great Bernard Schwartz, also known as Tony Curtis. Gosh. Tony that, Curtis was Tony Stone, Stony Curtis? Stony I'm, Curtis? I'm going to go with uh, 1941. 40. Final answer? Final answer. <laughs> Chuck and I, once again, will split the difference with 1926. Whoa. 26. 1919. 1919 for the point. 1925. Wow. That's Barry, it. We're that's not splitting it anymore. You. Not splitting it anymore. We're done. Who got that? Barry again. Barry would have got two him. points. No, I've had 23 written down. So uh, that goes to Mr. Jonathan. So we got two to one to zero for you guys? We yeah. have one. I, I have, have one, one, one. Here. Tied up all the way around. Oh, all the way around. Okay, one, one, one. So, uh, okay. Still cheating to help them win. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to our dual team over here. Uh, Raul Castro. Oh, boy. World leader, Cuban politician and revolutionary who became the president of Cuba in 2008 when he succeeded his brother, Fidel Castro. Raul Castro's birthday is today. What year was he born? Barry, I'm not going to give you an answer. 1944. 44. 28. 28. I'm going to play the odds and go 45. 45. Mr. Jonathan says 28. It's 31. 31. Oh, I did he was that old. He's old, and this is his uh, last year. 2018, he's out. Nice. So we'll see what happens there. I have one question left. Mr. Jonathan is leading two to one to one. One point to tie him, two 
to take the lead and the win. Let's win this, Barry. This goes to Mr. Jonathan. Charles Hirsch, also known as Chuck Barris. Chuck Barris was an American game show creator, producer, and host. Barris was known for hosting the game, the gong show, which is going to start up again. I don't know if you heard that. And created the dating game and the newlywed game. Uh, songwriter, he wrote Paisley Park for Freddie Cannon. Autobiography is Confession of the Dangerous Mind, which he made into a film the same year, directed by George Clooney. Died a year later. Chuck Barris, born today, what year? 1928. 28. Uh, 37. 37. Because we don't listen and we don't learn from our mistakes, we're going to go with 1938. 38. And Mr. Jonathan takes the point and the win. He Whoa. said 28, it was 29. And this classic day in classic history was brought to you by Classic Cigars. I think everyone's younger than they are. Because we're getting older. I wow. went to a concert. Mr. Jonathan was with me to an old group from my day. and uh, The Fools. The Fools. And we were looking around, and I'm looking at all these old people. I say to my wife, look at it. It's all these old people. And she <laughs> said, they're all our age. Age, right. <laughs> How scary that was. Now, Steve, you are constantly, it seems, working on blends. Will you continue to always make new blends, regardless of the FDA and regardless of their availability to be imported? Yes. You'll always be doing that? Yes. Will you look to the European market to release Mm, these? Probably not. I'll just smoke them myself. The hell with everyone. (laughs) Now, when you work on new blends, are you able to pull from uh, tobaccos at the factory, or do you only pull from your own stuff? Both. (coughs) Good, you got a good. Oh, now you got the lightning round going. Really? <laughs> was there ever a cigar that you regretted not releasing? Mm. Mm. No, you know, one of the cigars I regret, there were quite a few cigars I regret we didn't release. You know, when I was at Drew Estate, we made quite a few different Liga Pravada blends that never came to market. And there were some that were really particularly good that I really wish had ultimately been released. And I'm afraid that many of them have been lost. Because without either Nicholas or I being there, I don't know that they know what the blends are. I could be wrong about this. They could have them written down right. someplace. But there, there were some really good Liga blends that uh, I think should have seen the light of day, and they don't seem to have. Now, earlier you gave me a T52-4. Would right. that be one of those blends? No, T52-4 ultimately ended up becoming the uh, JD4. But it never ended up actually making it into the marketplace in a regular production because we didn't have enough T52 wrapper. So ultimately, it kind of became the core blend that was used for the UF-13. But the UF-13 uses Connecticut Broadleaf Mediums. Uh, at least that's what it used to be used. I don't, I don't know what they're using today. I'm assuming they're doing the same thing. When you um, say medium, what do you mean by that? Cause you- um, well, because when you harvest Connecticut Broadleaf, they don't classify it as uh, Velado Seco Viso Lajero. Uh, in Connecticut Broadleaf, it's classified as number two long seconds, number one long seconds, mediums, and then number one darks. But sometimes, depending on the crop year, you don't get any number one darks. So just the fact that they're high on the plant doesn't instantly make them a number one dark. You have to have a season that is particularly stressful, hot, sunny, not as much rain, and that'll produce some corona leaves that you can classify as number one darks. Um, Typically, most growers would rather not have number one darks because it means the overall weight of the crop is lower than it typically is. They would rather see that whole top half of the plant end up being mediums because they end up getting more weight out of the plant. Do you have a big difference in the strength characteristics on those leaves in that medium range? 
Um, not as much. I mean, the broadleaf, I mean, you have a big difference in the, the two long seconds tend to be a bit paler. The number one long seconds, oddly enough, even though they aren't um, as dark in color, they tend to lean more towards the peppery or spicy side of things than the, uh, than the mediums. You get more into the earthy kind of characteristics and more sweetness, but you can actually get quite a bit of strength out of the one long seconds. And in fact, I don't know what they're made out of today, but back in the day, uh, the old Henry Clay's at Altidus used to make, those bundle press cigars that were really ugly. Yeah. Um, those used number one long seconds, and it tended to be a rather spicy cigar. And I, and, uh, I like the one long second. question personally. that Sean asked from our studio audience here. Uh, can you explain the difference between a Corona and a Lancero? You had a great uh, explanation the of that. The question was a Lonsdale and a Lancero. Lonsdale, sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, all these Vitolos get mixed up. The only person, the only category, Habanos is the only one that gave really a, a set size guide. So, I mean, the prototypical, the classic shape of a Lancero is a 7 by 38. The classic size of a Lonsdale is a 6 to 6 and a quarter by 42 to 44. And the primary difference between them other than ring gauge and the length is the fact that when you make a Lancero, there's really only enough room to put a te- particularly two different tripa leaves in it filler leaves, whereas in the Lonsdale, you can typically get three leaves in it, and in the Lonsdale, you can always, almost always actually get four different tobaccos because you can split one of the leaves, and you go two, two, and half, and half, where in the Lancero, you can still split, but it depends on the tobacco because of the way the ring gauge works and the way the bunching works. You can't always use all tobaccos one and a half and a half, so most Lanceros are typically made in order to ensure proper combustion with two triple leaves rather than the one plus a half and a half which makes kind of a boring blend well it's a matter of perspective i mean there are people that love lanceros i personally find it's it's very rare that i find that i smoke a lancero that i don't think i couldn't have made a more interesting cigar by jumping up the little bit of extra ring size and that's why and i've always been a big fan of that i'm one of the rare guys that makes lonsdales they're a very unpopular shape but i mean i did that with velvet rat i did that with ratzilla I'm doing that in Sober Mesa using the Cervantes Fino. I kind of cheat a little bit, and I do in Mique Rita, I do a 6x48. These are very uncommon sizes in today's market, Mm. but it's one that I have a personal affinity for. So I make them, and luckily for me, I'm being rewarded for it because there are a lot of consumers out there that really do like the shape. They just don't know they like it. Well, and when you have that particular size and you're one of the only ones on the shelf, you you really are cornering the market with that size. Yeah, you're cornering a market of two, though. Yeah, fair point. (laughs) We've got got a little over a minute left. Is there a particular tobacco you detest working with? Um, You know, there's certain tobaccos that I'm not a big fan of. I'm I'm not a big fan of, like, Allure from the Dominican Republic. I never liked the taste of that. I'm not a big fan of San Vicente from the Dominican. That's a tobacco I don't like. Um, I've had very, I haven't had good experiences working with Arapiaca wrapper. Um, so it's a tobacco that I tend to avoid in most cases. But I also learned I was never much of a fan of Ecuador Habano. Um, I always thought it was kind of pale. But once I started fermenting it and changing the way we did the fermentation technique, I find that I can get something out of it that I didn't think was achievable. So, you know, I learned. So maybe two years from now, I'll be saying Arapiaca is the greatest thing on the planet. I don't know. Favorite tobacco, really quick? Yeah, Connecticut Broadleaf. I've always been a Broadleaf guy. Beautiful. Final thoughts here on Mi Korea. What do you think of this cigar? Burning my fingers. You smoked this before? I have. I smoked one earlier today. Okay. Um, Exceptionally smooth. I do get the earthy characteristics. 
I'm also getting a little bit of uh, nuttiness as well. A little cigar like this, one hour. Yeah. One hour. So you look at a little cigar and you say it's a lot of money for a little cigar mm-hmm. like that. It, you can smoke somebody else's Churchill and it may, may not uh, last you that long. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't judge your book by its cover. Steve Socket, thank you so much as usual for coming and joining us. Remember the cheese, man. I want my thousand bucks. <laughs> So next week, we got a couple of uh, special announcements for you. We're going to tell you that, and uh, that's all I got. Thank you for uh, listening to the Cigar Authority. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And for once, you actually probably learned something on the Here show. But, uh, always remember, when you're smoking your meat carita, no matter the size, keep the lid end out of your mouth. tell you about a fellow named Dave and the fact that I have been buying my cigars from him since 1985 when they first opened up. Two Guys Smoke Shop. Now, Two Guys Smoke Shop have three convenient locations right over the Massachusetts border in tax-free New Hampshire. Now, here's something I bet you didn't know. Two Guys Smoke Shop is America's largest cigar shop and has the largest inventory of cigars anywhere. Wait till you see this place. You're not going to believe it, all right? Now, if you like cigars, you can't find a better place to buy them than at Two Guys Smoke Shop. They're in Salem, New Hampshire, Seabrook, New Hampshire, and their new location in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. It is worth the ride. You can call 888-2-CIGAR-2. That's 888-2-CIGAR-2 or on the web at twoguyssmokeshop.com. The best place to buy cigars anywhere is Two Guys Smoke Shop. It's Stogie Heaven. With a million choices.